Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are continuing our coverage of Star Wars Rebels Season 1 as we talk about Episodes 6 and 7, Breaking Ranks and Out of Darkness, with myself, Matthew, along with Riki and Sarah Hayashi. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. I'm Matthew, your host, and joined as always by Riki and Sarah. Um, and we've got some really fun episodes today. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, us too. I like one. The other one is just okay, but still <gasps> okay. overall <laughs> fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're going to talk about each of these two separately, but then actually starting next week, uh, we're going to get a couple of episodes that are part of an arc. And I think this is one of the things that is going to make talking about Rebels the most fun. You know, sometimes we'll do these kind of episode by episode, but when we get two or three or even four episode arcs, we'll, tr- we'll basically do an episode on that entire story. Um, but so let's start with episode six. Uh, episode six is Breaking Ranks. Does one of you want to read a plot summary? Oh my gosh, this is so long. Yeah, I know. You got this, I believe. All right. Ezra goes undercover as an Imperial Academy cadet to help foil a shipment of Kyber crystals. Thanks to his training, Ezra quickly proves the most capable student in the class. During his operation, he befriends fellow cadets Zare Leonis and Jai Kel, the former of whom has similarly infiltrated the Academy in search of his missing sister, Dara. After completing the mission, Ezra discovers that the Inquisitor, having taken notice of his and Jai's abilities, intends to take them prisoner. With Zare and the other Rebels' help, the three are able to fight their way out of the facility during an Imperial Walker training exercise. Jai goes into hiding while Zare remains at the Academy to continue his search for Dara. Great. So... I was watching this episode while my partner was in the kitchen, which from which, where you can hear the TV. She's not really as big a Star Wars fan, so she's fine having them on. Except the first time Jai spoke, she came running into the room and said, Zuko? Is Zuko from Avatar here? Because it's the same voice actor. Oh, neat. Oh. I didn't, rec- I didn't right. recognize that. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, kind of a fun thing. I thought thing. he sounded familiar. Like a lot of voice actors, you know, you're just like, where did I hear that voice? But Okay. So yeah, so what'd y'all think of this episode? This one I, I really enjoyed because it's just a we we get a lot of different elements here. We get a little mm-hmm. bit of the Inquisitor, we get a little bit of Callus in kind of a fun tangential way, and uh, we get a look behind the scenes, I guess, of the Empire at this Imperial Academy with these cadets who are training to be stormtroopers. Although I, I do have questions about all of that. <laughs> I, I want to first, by the way, quickly say the actor in question is Dante Bosco, mm. uh, for people who are about to angrily comment that I didn't say what the name was. And yeah, I, I think this is a great episode. I, I want to dive into the meat of it, but I start with maybe, Ricky, this is one of the questions you had. We will, in about five or six years, hear P- Princess Leia say, sorry, in about five or six years, we'll hear Princess Leia say, aren't you short for a stormtrooper? Apparently, according to Leia, at least, there are some sort of height requirements for stormtroopers that Luke Skywalker would not quite meet. None of these people would come up to Luke Skywalker's shoulder. Like, I don't understand how these are possible cadets. And they say, like, you're almost ready to be stormtroopers. And they're like 15 and tiny. Well, that's I mean, yeah, they, they are very, very young. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm like, 
why are they training stormtroopers from such a young age? To indoctrinate right. them. Yeah, I mean, sure, that's the answer. But but it it was a little bit surprising. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the the way they talk about it, I think it makes it seem like it's a direct pipeline to them becoming stormtroopers. Right. Where whereas based on the their age. It seems much more like uh, I don't know, like a scouts program, where like maybe someday you can be yeah. a stormtrooper, or like a military like if academy. You, yeah. yeah, if you pass these tests, you'll get admitted to our academy, and then three years later, you'll become a a stormtrooper or something. Right, because we we've had like glimpses of military um, training and recruiting, for example, in Solo, right, where Solo right. signs up, and he is like clearly like a late teen early 20 age like more appropriate for a military recruit and, and these right. kids are just way too young well and here's a question that i had i think i'm right about this but tell me if i'm not in this show comes before either the phantom either um the uh, the force awakens or solo i think this is the first time we've seen on screen stormtroopers or at least potential stormtroopers take their helmet off and show us their people am i right I suppose, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, if you're talking just like, uh, yeah, first is sort of a weird thing, right, in Star Wars, because all these uh, shows are coming out out of order. Um, right. But yeah, like, I, other than um, in the most recent Clone Wars, yeah, I think this is one of the only times that we see Star Wars without their helmets, right? right. Or Stormtroopers well, without their helmets. And the reason I bring this up is because... You know, I think we've talked about this before. One of the things that they did in the original Star Wars movies, and I think this is very intentional, is by presenting them all in these literal faceless uniforms, mm-hmm. where they're all just wearing, you know, white fascist armor, it makes them very easy to think about killing them because they're all just Nazis and stormtroopers and, you know, objects of the um, oppression or whatever it is. And... But to instead have, like, to learn that, like, the people who grew up to be stormtroopers are are kids who seem like decent kids. And maybe one of them's kind of a bully and maybe one of them is, you know, not two of them now are maybe not going to be stormtroopers because they ran into Ezra. But if they hadn't, they probably would have grown up to be stormtroopers. It It's a real humanizing of the enemy in a way that I think of happening in fairly morally complex, morally gray shows not ones where we get to see those same enemies getting slaughtered all over the place. And I, I just thought it was very brave of Star Wars to, to do this, and it, 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 I really loved it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I remember my first experience with the concept of dehumanizing the enemy was mm-hmm. with Star Wars, right? This idea of, like you were saying, the faceless enemy. Um, and then, like, we in Clone Wars, we literally had them destroying droids who were even less human. Uh, and yeah, now we're now we're getting this humanization, and I I I really like it. And yeah, I think like we were talking last week about how f- for a quote unquote kids show, Rebels is quite like really complex and like very emotionally deep as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you use the specific phrase "faceless" because mm. in this episode we see the cadet armor, the cadet helmet, not only like. Well, it has like a button that they can press to open up the faceplate, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which Ezra like keeps using because we have to be reminded like which one he is, I guess, as the main <laughs> character here. Yeah. 
but you know contrast that with the regular stormtrooper helmet which you have to literally like pull off your head in order to right. to have your face vis- visible it, it was a very interesting take on a different type of stormtrooper-esque helmet mm-hmm. and i kind of wish like this were more of the standard but i, yeah. I Based on your comment about facelessness, I, I thought it was interesting that the cadets get to show their faces in that right. way. Well, yeah, Each one like, of them has a different color on their helmet, which I think <laughs> that too. was helpful too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but um, there, there's one stormtrooper who, so uh, yeah, near, near the end of the episode, as part of this uh, mucking up the Imperial Walker training exercise. Uh, our our hero cadets have to stun an opposing cadet, and like we never see like his helmet doesn't come off, he just right. like flops back and we don't see his face. So I think there is still that yeah, element. Yeah, we never saw his face. Yeah, exactly. O- right? Oleg. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, you know, we're <laughs> we're still aware that like shooting people with faces is not comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, especially kids. Um, but I think. I think this idea of these really young kids being in the like Imperial Academy is really relevant for the beginning of the Empire as well. Like once mm-hmm. the Empire gets established, recruiting people in their like teens, twenties doesn't seem as outlandish because they theoretically have grown up with the Empire in place. Whereas right. here it's like brand new regime, get them while they're young. Well, um, we are fifteen years into the Empire at this point. Yeah, so I mean, like this mm-hmm. is all these these kids have known at that point, but it's still like, I don't know, like a twenty year old would have. I don't. I don't. I mean, I guess how much do yeah. you recognize when you're five? But yeah, there's like there still seems to be an air of mm-hmm. not quite conforming to it yet. Like it's not right. it's not the day to day thing yet. Yeah, and so like. I could see them moving away from literal child soldiers in the future, but maybe not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The Empire is not maybe the, the best. Yeah. I, I will say last week I discussed the fact that TIE fighters don't have windshield wipers, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, similarly, I like the fact that here they have space cannons and hyperdrive and all this kind of stuff, but they don't seem to have basic facial recognition software. If someone who has a criminal record or has been like, you know, a person of interest for the police tries to apply to a police academy... They're going to get dinged, probably. Well, facial recognition software can often screw up. It's sort of super racist. But the, the idea that, like, the Grand Inquisitor and others have, like, seen Ezra Bridger. Callus has seen Ezra Bridger. And no one, like, sat down with a sketch artist and, like, passed it around to everyone. Even just on, it's still on this one planet. And, like, the Academy is like, oh, hey, here's a kid who will be an Imperial account. He certainly doesn't look like anybody we've ever been like told to keep an eye out for. Again, it's a little thing. It just made me raise my eyebrows. Yeah. And like, I mean, like he's obviously assumed a fake identity, um, Mm -hmm. which is like some Morgan. This is last name. Dev Morgan. Morgan. Um, And so like, I don't know, maybe, maybe there is like an ID system and he's got a fake ID. Cause like at the end of the episode, the two, uh, it's like Jai and Ezra, get away mm-hmm. um and their pictures are shown to the inquisitor and the inquisitor's like i know this guy you morons like yeah. how could you do this <laughs> um but yeah like you're saying like, i don't like we're not gonna run every cadet who's enrolled by the grand inquisitor guys got other right. things to do um and yeah so i mean like 
basic facial recognition software. And like, yeah, it, it, like I think it's what you're saying with this. In an age of such technical advancements, yeah, there's some. Uh, you just missing stick that things. picture. You yeah. just stick that picture into Google Image Search or something like that. You know, yeah, you just like it. run everybody through. Yeah, uh-huh. or. or yeah it's or like an enhanced id sort of system or like heck cell phones nobody has a cell phone right it's just like a weird and it's obviously like a plot device right like Mm -hmm. yeah and it's fine i just feel like when we're doing this in-depth analysis you gotta point out these things no no, no, no. i as as a pointer outer of weird inconsistencies i am fully on board (laughs) yeah i mean this is like this is the sorry like in the rebels yeah, the whole Rebel series, one of the big, big themes is dress up like the enemy, pretend like you belong there. Uh, and right, this is very emblematic of their strategy of like, well, we'll just stick on the uniform and act like we'll know what we're doing. And no one's going to stop and ask us any questions. And for the most part, the Empire is such a large operation with so many cogs. They don't question. Like, hey, do you keep dropping things i'm sorry hey do you actually work here right it's just like no no mm-hmm. you've got the uniform on you're walking around you seem to know what you're doing yeah but yeah something like the academy you'd think there'd be a little more scrutiny mm-hmm. it, it is a fun thing i i like getting to see the other two characters developed as well and how they kind of slowly come around and at first the one um uh czar leonis like you it looks like he's gonna catch ezra but then it turns out he helps him like, I kind of wish I knew how these kids got there because, you know, certainly by the time of Finn, which is granted like 35 years later, but we learn that the the New Order, at least, the First Order, which is derived from the Empire, is, you know, com- uh, um, not compressing people. What's the word? Um, impre- impressment. Impressing people into service, like drafting mm-hmm. them. And you kind of wonder, like, did that happen to these kids? Did they, like, sign up because they were just, like really, you know, propagandist recruitment tools were being used by the military to get teenagers to sign up. Um, What? The military? You're doing that? No. They would never do that. Uh, But yeah, I just just love the dynamic, especially in that, you know, Ezra starts out kind of friendly with with, uh, Jai, and then um, Leonis kind of saves him and also knows his secret. So he has to protect Leonis, and he can only protect one of them. And he, he, I mean, it's a competition. They're supposed to be, like, backstabbing each other and stuff like that but he backstabs jai and but then jai does still come around to work with them which i thought was a really nice like he, he does like play the empire's game for that moment but then he he reaches out to jai and helps him as well and, and jai actually is one of the ones who help who escapes yeah well it just okay so the idea that like um zare leonis is in there is like in the same troop, you've got another dude who maybe doesn't have the best intentions of the Empire, right? So, like, your mm-hmm. screening needs to get better, the Empire. So, for me, I am less skeptical about their inability to facially recognize Ezra oh. Bridger. Mm-hmm. Because it's, I don't know, I think of the Empire as, like, a bureaucratic mess. Mm-hmm. That's and fair. There's That's a fair. lot of infighting. There's a lot of people who are just, like, looking out for themselves and trying to advance their own careers. So I, I feel like cooperation is at a minimum, and, and I don't know, like the Inquisitor on that on that level probably did not distribute images of Ezra and Kanan because he considers it his job to hunt down these Jedi, right? Right, and he, and he's not looking for help. If if they turn up, they turn up, and he'll go to that planet and hunt them down. 
but he's not like transmitting this over the Imperial Hollow Network saying like anyone who sees these two individuals let me know immediately because he doesn't want anyone else to take them down. And he's probably mm-hmm. got other folks that he's kind of tracking as well too, hey? Like, I, I assume Ezra and Kanan are not his number one priority right. yet. <laughs> um, well, well, one thing we kind of learned through this is that the Inquisitor has told presumably the heads of all these academies, because you get the sense like there's an academy like this on every planet, mm-hmm. that if they see people who have like very high reflexes and things like that, like higher than should be normal for someone like them, to, to report it because they might be force sensitive. Because, you know, at the end, that's the whole thing is that the Inquisitor wants to take away the kids who are doing the best for his own recruitment. Yes. Yeah. Well, the, the, the training exercises that they're doing are like very reminiscent of not only the exercises that the stormtroopers, or sorry, the clone troopers go through um, in the Clone Wars, but also exercises that Jedi go through, um, as we see, as we saw in um, Fallen Order, the the video game which mm-hmm. we did a, a comprehensive yep. review of a little while ago. Um, it's like the same like floaty platform, weird grid room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think like what Riki was saying about this infighting amongst the Empire. You really see it being fostered here, like when, right? Yeah, Ezra, aka Morgan, pushes Jai down so that Ezra makes sure that he goes on to the next level so that he can continue his plot to infiltrate <clears throat> mm-hmm. and grab this translator thingy. Um, right. They reward him and they're like, "You should all be more like, more like Morgan. You should be betraying each other and backstabbing each other and doing anything you can to advance you as an individual to the top." And that seems like such a departure. And that's the kind of thing yeah. I wish we'd heard them address in The Bad Batch because, you know, one major theme of the Clone Wars was that the clones had a real, like, one-for-all, all-for-one, like, you are my brother and that's most important to me kind of attitude. And, like, I'm guessing that maybe part of, they had some trouble with the clones towards the end and that's part of why they don't want those people. They want everyone feeling like they individually are loyal to the Emperor. But... An army where everyone is watching each other's back is a terrible idea. I mean, that's not how, like, you build team unity in any regard. But if you want to keep them from banding together and rising up against you, yeah. right? I, I mean, I guess. I just don't know if that mean, if that's worth, like, you know, completely, like, ruining the effectiveness of your army. But maybe that's... Stormtroopers aren't very effective, so maybe this is part of... Yeah, you know, They're you, disposable, you, infinitely replaceable. Yeah, yeah I mean, this no, is no one goes to the the imperial way this is the sith way right like we've joked about the rule of two and how it's always like 2.5 or or more (laughs) because the master is always keeping these side projects like to threaten the apprentice because he doesn't want the apprentice to threaten him right and and this is exactly why the rule in the darth bane books they established that this is exactly why the rule of two was created because it used to be that instead of it being a whole bunch of like stormtroopers doing this it was thousands of sith dark you know dark jedi masters or and knights and and trainees all of whom learning to work together but all of whom constantly looking for chances to betray each other so yeah it's i guess it makes sense to be coming down from palpatine but uh it's an interesting very interesting very different direction yeah for sure um and yeah, so I earlier we were talking about um, De Leonis and how, like you mentioned, he it looks like he's catching Ezra trying to steal these decoders, but he ends up helping him right and telling him like you can't take it out through the door; it's got a security mm-hmm. tag on it. You got to take it out through the roof. And like, man, oh man, doesn't Ezra give up the goat like real quickly to to Leonis? Like, I thought that was a little wild. How quickly he trusts him. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. What did you guys think about that? He's a kid. I don't know. <laughs> but I, like, I, especially a kid who was all like, it's me and me alone just a few yeah. episodes ago. I think the way you set up to me was it felt like he didn't have any other choice. It felt like that mm-hmm. was his only and that maybe he was like, you know, he has the force. He probably thinks he can overcome this kid if he needs to. But he maybe thinks like, you know, I can give this kid a chance, you know. Um, and, and I, I kind of wish this, I mean, I wish this had been a two or three episode arc because I feel like getting to spend some time, like hearing why all those kids are there. Like one of them is the super rah-rah empire patriot. One of them is the, look, I just need to get some money to pay, help my family. You know, one of them's I'm, I'm looking for my sister or whatever it is. I, I think you're right that if we knew a little more, if we knew what Ezra knew about the Oni, th- that would have really helped in this moment. Hmm. Yeah, because it, it it just felt very quick for him to trust this mm-hmm. this. I think it's very fair. Other kid, but yeah, I mean, I get you're right. Like he could be, he could have been. Yeah. So yeah, kind of all around cool episode. A nice just, again showing us some more of the the empire and how it works at a low level. Any other last things about this episode before we uh, move on? I, I mean, I like again Chopper. Um, mm-hmm. We get to see Chopper in disguise as like an empire droid. Uh, which is really fun and uh, a nice little callback when Chopper does a little hollow projection of Ezra in a very similar way that like R2 does the hollow projection of Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just really like all the little throwbacks that, that yeah. Rebels so, have. Speaking of throwbacks, I have a question for the two of you and perhaps to the listeners if we cannot find an answer. But when... Uh, Zare is causing a distraction with Callus so that Ezra can use the Force to steal the, the information from his office. He's like, your delivery of pod racer parts is here. And Callus is like, you fool, I didn't order any pod racer parts. Is that a reference to something that I have forgotten or missed? I don't think so. I think I got the sense that it was just, you know, like, People who are fans of racing might try to, you know, trick out their own cars to, to be kind of cool or something like that. Yeah, I just you just think like oh, like it's two boxes of used pod racer parts. I don't know it. It sound, it feels like it could be a riff to something yeah. other than or, just or like pod racing keep, exists. Keep in the back of our head, like maybe yeah. it comes up later. Yeah, and we can connect the dots there. Yeah, yeah I can see that. I did also think, um, you know, the way they set up Leonis's character as I'm gonna go look for my sister. And I think Ezra says something like, you know, we'll see you later or we'll come back for you or something like mm-hmm. that. I think it's pretty clear. And I, I literally don't remember this one way or the other. But I, I, to me, that's a like they were storing that character to hopefully use again at some point. Yeah, I believe we come back to that. I believe we come back to Jai as a character as well. Mm-hmm. When we mess his Oleg, what does he does he go on to become a stormtrooper? Did that stun do more than stun him in the in the chicken walker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah, also, these are whack attack prizes, right? Like, you win the little <laughs> uh, obstacle course, and then you get to learn how to pilot the Imperial Walker. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like, as we mentioned, it seems like a bonkers training regime for new stormtroopers, but yeah. who are we to judge? Yeah. Well, and if it's just a couple of weeks, that does kind of help explain, you know, they don't have much time for target practice there. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just go, go, go. Yeah. It, it was also, I think, just a fun little, not even a callback, but just a r- reminder of how things in this universe work, that kyber crystals are these things that store incredible amounts of energy. 
and have a lot of force connection, and that's why they're used to um, help make lightsabers. But also, as we learned in Rogue One, that kyber crystals are the basis of the the weapon for the Death Star. Yeah. And I, I my sense is that we're supposed to think like, yeah, the 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 Death Star is in the midst of construction right now, and that's probably what the shipment is about. You don't think they're just building a giant lightsaber? Eh, you know, it's possible. <laughs> I mean, well, we know the Inquisitor is recruiting a whole bunch of people to be, oh, you know, be. people. So it could be that. But I, 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 the way it, there was such a huge explosion when they blew up the yeah. ship carrying the kyber crystals that, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I was being facetious. I totally yeah. think that that's what I'm going to, <laughs> to think as well. Not just like a giant, a giant mm-hmm. sky lightsaber the size of a moon. Um, yeah. 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 And even... That's like the third thing I've dropped today. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry for all the editing fine. work and making you do Matthew. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, at, at the end, so like you said, Zare stays to look for his sister. Um, and they, he's like, toss me a blaster. I'm staying. And then to sort of keep his cover, he like shoots at the rebels as they're speeding away. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. he misses with every shot. It's just like, ah, yes, you truly are ready to be a stormtrooper. Yeah. Um, but even like, <laughs> I don't know. There was an, a nice moment where um, like Ezra. So the second competition to win the prize of being taught how to pilot the, the Imperial Walker, it's the top three who go through. So like Jai, Zare, and Ezra as Morgan make this right. pact that they're they're going to be the three, but it ends up not being Ezra, and he's like, "Whatever, go forward with the plan. I'll figure a way out." So he's like running full speed towards the Walker to like get in there and help out, but the two Imperial agents um, are like, "Oh, look at him! Look at him go! Single handedly trying to take down that Chicken Walker. Good for him! Great job!" Mm-hmm. And just like standing <laughs> and not doing anything about it and i thought that was like a nice mm-hmm. yeah a nice yeah. little moment all right should we get on to uh, episode seven out of darkness yeah so uh this one is chopper's antics cause ezra and zeb to forget to carry out an important repair on the phantom uh, there's some blaming there like I, yeah. I would put more blame on ezra and zeb but okay chopper is certainly a part of it herons I, I i'll just say with the sibling thing like when i tried to blame like Things I didn't do because my little sister distracted me and my mom didn't buy it. But anyway. I think it's like all three of them <clears throat> yeah. jerk around and then forget <laughs> to carry out an important repair. Yeah. <laughs> or neglect. Her and Sabine set out to an abandoned rebel asteroid base to retrieve supply Republic asteroid base to retrieve supplies provided by Fulcrum. An anonymous an anonymous informant whom Hera has been in contact with. Sabine voices her displeasure towards Hera's secrecy about their mission, feeling as though neither she nor Kanan trust her. Due to the fuel tank leaning, leaking on the Phantom, the two are left stranded on the base, which is infected with deadly Phinox. Not Minox. Ah, uh, Phinox, <laughs> which are kind of like giant, ugly cat creatures. Um, not giant, but, you know, they're... They're for a cat, hi- sure. They're, they're kind of hyenas. Mm. The, the two work together to survive the creatures long enough for the rest of the crew to, to rescue them aboard the Ghost, allowing Sabine to overcome her trust issues while Hera tells her to have faith in the growing rebellion. Uh, what would you think of this one? I loved the like Sabine Hera relationship and how we got to see them, mm-hmm. just like yeah, be be awesome together. I wasn't thrilled by this. Um, to me, I always like try to keep track of when we get our first monster of the week type thing, and, and this this to me was that in this series. 
Mm-hmm. And it just, it never, I do like the character moments, but the threat of this, the, what did you call him? Finox? Finox. Okay, the fake Nox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it just never materialized in a way that I enjoyed. You know, the way that they were mm-hmm. afraid of the sunlight, so they had to keep back, um, you know, connects to the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it could have been, and maybe this is part of it being a cartoon, but it could have been much scarier, I guess, more like a horror episode. Yeah. And it, it just kind of, like, didn't get there for me. Yeah, the, the sort of, like, deadline narrative of these monsters are going to get us. Yeah, I, I agree. Didn't feel as effective. It could have been, I think, any sort of deadline narrative. Like, oh, it's a Republic base, but there's someone from the Empire is coming to this location. So we've got to get out of here. And mm-hmm. we can't. Or, like, we're running out of oxygen or some something else. It didn't have to be Creature of the Week. I think I'm kind of halfway in between because I, I agree that... that it all just felt like a plot device and not an entirely good one. Both the 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 monsters that were attacking them on the planet, but also the whole thing about like them forgetting to do this maintenance check. But I loved what it set up, you know, because and in some ways I kind of I wish it had felt less contrived. But I also think if it had become really a horror episode, then the discussions about trust and like what we learn about Fulcrum and what we learn about Sabine's background might have gotten lost a bit. Because um, I did really love that. I love, you know, we we learn that they have a source within the rebellion or they're connected to the rebellion so that they're not necessarily part of the rebellion, but they're connected to it. And that, like, there's all this secrecy that makes sense that you have to do. And also learning Sabine's history, you know, that she was part of the, she was in the Imperial Academy. And I think that's a lot more intense than what uh, Ezra was going through last episode. That was probably like, you know, the Air Force Academy or Annapolis or something. And she left because no one would trust her and because it was all just do this, do that, don't ask questions. And her having to deal with that and how the Rebel Alliance is a little bit similar but very different for different reasons, I I just loved. Yeah, like she's mentioned being in the Imperial Academy before, but it was never explicitly stated that like she actually was. Like the times that she'd mention it, it, it was kind of as a like, oh, I'm in the Imperial Academy, so therefore you can trust me, member of the Empire. Right. Um, instead of it like, no, no, this is an actual truth. Um, I, I wasn't as, uh, upset about the contrivance of the missing, uh, phantom repair, I guess, just because I Mm -hmm. think this dynamic of Ezra and Zeb are going to be sparring with each other and Chopper is going to be egging them on is like well established at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, and it having some like very real consequences for them is nice. Like granted nothing happened. Sabine and Hera, like got out fine but like before it was just kind of like oh it means we gotta like steal a tie fighter and and do all these fun wacky adventures whereas here it's like oh and then we put our friends lives in danger thanks yeah i think that's the difference is that previously the consequences of their rivalry put themselves in danger Mm -hmm. and then they had Mm -hmm. to work their way out of it here it's putting other people in danger and that that really makes it different right it just, again, seemed to me so, like, something as basic as a fuel link. You, and, again, I'm trying to look for reality in ways that about spaceships and hyperdrives and lightsabers, so it doesn't make any sense. It, it just, it, it just the whole setup was kind of eye-rolly to me. Again, yeah. not well, the worst thing in the world and certainly not 
nothing as bad as we get in Clone Wars. And like, if if this is the level of eye rolling we get in a show, that's a pretty high bar. <laughs> it it just was like, yeah, this is not my favorite episode. Oh, totally, totally agree. And I think like so the the first um, line of the summary of like they forget to carry out an important repair, it, like is a bit misleading because they don't forget. They just neglect to read the diagnostics. Like they run the diagnostic right. <laughs> report, but then don't read it which feels a lot like when i save an episode of this podcast to my hard drive and then don't send it to you matthew and just assume that like i've done the one thing i'm supposed to do therefore we're good um if yeah if any finox try and come after you i feel very bad but um Mm -hmm. yeah it's i i totally i totally get what you're saying it does feel a bit contrived but i like the character moments that we get around it yeah what do, what do you think about learning that Fulcrum exists and that this is what Hera is kind of connecting to? Yeah, Fulcrum's cool. Fulcrum's super cool. Can't really say much about it till spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll do more on that spoilers. I, I just thought it was nice learning that, that, they, that again, they have this light connection, but I, I love, there's a line that uh, Kanan says, which is that, you know, our, our mission is to do things that, uh, let me get the exact wording of it, You know, Kanan says what our mission is is to create problems for the Empire and profit for us. Or I'm sorry, no, what he says is Hera chooses missions that will create problems for the Empire and profit for us. And, you know, like, Akbar is never thinking about profit. Like, he's just, you know, part of the Rebel Alliance. And it, it, these are kind of like, you know, profiteers. Like, they're not after profit, but, like, they want to help the Empire. They want to help fight the Empire. They also want to take care of themselves. And they're looking for that balance. And that was just a nice, like... I like that we're not all just part of the Rebel Alliance and taking orders from Mon Mothma and Bail Organa already. You know, that it's it's they're kind of on their own, but connected in this loose way with a whole bunch of secrecy. Oh, totally. And, like, we, we've had allusions to, like, um, like previous episodes. They were trying to intercept weapons for some mysterious buyer, right? So they're, they're, they've got mm-hmm. connections, but we've never actually seen them explicitly. And they still haven't. We heard Fulcrum, but haven't seen them. Um, but, but, yeah, this idea that it's not all just out of the goodness of their heart, altruism foiling the empire because it's the right thing to do. Like they also need to eat. Right. Um, and I think that's, it's, it's nice to sort of have that reality check moment of like, we can't just like, just sacrificing ourselves for the empire is like a very short or against the empire, I suppose is like a very short goal. Yeah. A, right? Like, we can't we can't just give it our all and fight until there's nothing left and not do anything for profit ever because we'll starve to death. Right. And we're not getting, like, weekly supplies from mm-hmm. the Alliance. You know, Fulcrum will give us what he, they can from time to time, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a conversation reminiscent of Han Solo in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're just in it for the reward. And then he starts to see the bigger picture and has developed these relationships with people that he cares about and, yeah. and joins something bigger. Right? Yeah, and I think and, that's the thing. And this group is in the process of that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that was, that was part of Sabine's conflict in this episode is like she wants to know more about what the bigger thing is. Right. And, and I really like the way they handled that dynamic because I do think that sometimes there's you know, a sense of like, okay, everybody is in on every plan in rebel groups and like shows and movies. And so much of what this is about is Hera. It's not Hera saying that to Sabine. She doesn't want to take her in all the confidences, but it's kind of saying like, look, 
I do trust you in all these other ways. And now I need you to trust me that if there's something I'm deciding you shouldn't know yet, that I'm not doing that just to screw with you. I am doing that because I have like a good reason that I need to. And I, I really like that. Like that it's, that it's not just, we're going to tell Sabine everything. It's we're, we're going to help convince her of why this has to be a secret and why it's okay that it's kept secret from her. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely a truism of rebel or, you know, terrorist cells that you don't share information with everyone because if right. one cell gets taken, you need that to just you know, the the last thing that gets taken. You can't have right. that cell ratting out the other ones. Yeah, and like um, Sabine brings up, like, don't you you think I'd talk to the Empire? And it's like we believe that the Empire has ways of making you talk, like very, whether you uh, want to or not. Very menacing. Yeah, yeah. See, so we we've seen the conventional torture that they're capable of, and then of course the the force, the use of the dark side to extract mm-hmm. information directly from people's minds yeah and i think that's kind of fitting that like they wouldn't know exactly what the force is they wouldn't know like who darth vader is but you know someone like darth vader stories are going to go around you know people are gonna you know think about all the stories that go around about like cia black ops and like 90 percent of them are conspiracy theory but like clearly there's some truth to those you know um and i think it's the same kind of thing here yeah even just this like rumor like they can read your mind right like that's all that really needs to go around um yeah totally any other last things from this episode before we go into the spoiler section, which will probably be a, we'll have a little bit to say. Um, I would like to mention a moment at the end. So the uh, ghost comes to rescue Phantom. So Phantom is the little like shuttle of ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, so they come, the hatch opens, Kanan, Zeb, Ezra, and I guess Chop- Chopper's like manning the door, um, are all like shooting at the Finox. And then... Ezra does basically the like ah Sabine I shall rescue you and like jumps down into I got your back I got your back yeah Mm -hmm. this like pit of monsters when he absolutely does not need to be instantly gets overwhelmed because he's fighting them with like a I'm making the hand motion which is not helpful slingshot he's fighting them with basically like an electric slingshot and is overwhelmed and then Sabine has to Come back and help him, basically. So this mm-hmm. idea of Ezra still trying to show off yeah, to Sabine, but like, just it. Come on, bud, just leave it. And then she calls him kid at the end. Like she mm-hmm. full on is like, nah, bud, this yeah. ain't it. And then said, yeah, gives him a stinger too. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and I love it. and Chopper just being the sassiest little bot in the universe in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, they ask him to like, they're like, close the doors, Chopper. Like, like, you don't need to sass us about this guy. Like, we, yeah. the, there's little monster cats trying to get in. Please just close <laughs> the door. Keep your comments to yourself. I mean, don't. I yeah. love you. Like, me as viewer, please continue sassing. <laughs> but crew is probably thinking we could mm-hmm. use we could do this without the attitude. Please, Chopper. Yeah. Yeah, but now they've definitely established that. You know, this is a real family, and then, as within any family, there's lots of individual dynamics, you oh, know, yeah. and that, like, Kanan and Ezra have their dynamic, Ezra and Zeb have their dynamic, uh, Sabine and Hera have the specific dynamic that we're exploring, and that we're probably going to explore all the others as, as the show goes on, so, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, and it, it's, I mean, great that we have a single episode firmly passing the Bechdel test, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> just, like, talking about them as characters as, and as individuals, yeah, it was, it was mm-hmm. nice. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in many ways, this is a mirror of the 
Ezra and um, Zeb episode mm-hmm. that we got a couple episodes back, you know, in, in that they start out with some tension and they kind of find a way to, to move past it. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other last things before we wrap up? We get the appearance of Rhydonium, which is like the fictional explosive substance mm-hmm. in Star Wars. Yeah. Which I, I just always enjoy, like, hearing the, the fictional thing in the universe get mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and also just a nice reminder that Sabine is, like, really, really into... You know, she talks about it as like her friend you know it's like oh it's so good to see you you know yeah. like it's my favorite explosive yeah Sabine's all about art and bombs mm-hmm. yep I, you know what what else would you be into no it's great she's awesome <laughs> alright well uh, we're going to go into spoiler section now so if you've not seen any more this is probably a good time to get off but thank you so much for being a part of this episode as always you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at The Ethical Panda. You can also go to our website, theethicalpanda.com. There you'll find information about this website, about this podcast, my other podcasts, including Superhero Ethics and the Marvel Movie Minute. And of course, you can find all the other great podcasts we do at uh, strandedpanda.com, which is just a whole host of wonderful uh, fan geeky podcasts. So check all those out. And Ricky and Sarah, for folks who want to learn more about uh, your stuff, where can they go? Um, if you want to follow my art adventures, you can follow me on Instagram, Sarah Hayashi Art. I've also recently reopened my Etsy store, so it's just Etsy slash shop slash Hayashi Ceramics. Um, I'm doing updates every Friday. There's, like, some fun little Halloween goodies on there now. It's all ceramics. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's me. I don't have a Twitter or anything cool like that. If you want to follow my Pokemon Go adventures, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Wikipedia Go. You do other things other than Pokemon Go adventures. I run. You run. Well, I mean, like, you tweet about yeah. other things. He tweets about more things than Pokemon. Yeah. Follow him he, you, tw- you tweet about a lot. I, I am not a Pokemon fan. I'm glad it works for you, but there's still a lot of great stuff that I can relate to on, on your, <laughs> your post. Everything from, like, fan stuff to justice stuff to, you know, other things like that. Um, although probably I'm, I connect more to what you post about Pokemon to jogging because j- jogging has just never, like... I, I, it's Fair. not my thing. I, <laughs> I can't run like that unless someone's chasing me. Um... <laughs> All right. But anyway, thanks so much. Um, Please give us feedback. We love knowing what you think. Um, If you think we're totally wrong about something, let us know. If you're totally into what we're saying or you've got your own thoughts, let us know. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, And so if you're stepping out now, sounds great. We'll talk to you next week uh, or possibly in two weeks, depending on if I can record one more episode during my honeymoon. Um, But or after before. Yeah, no, no. Before or after, I mean. Um, But for now, let's go into the spoiler section in three, two, one. I can't remember. Who is Fulcrum right now? It's Ahsoka. It, it's Ahsoka. Okay, it's Ahsoka this whole time. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the voice, too, like, the even modulated, it's, mm. I think they definitely have the same voice actress for Ahsoka. Mm. And if you'll notice, like, Sabine keeps using masculine pronouns about Fulcrum, and mm-hmm. Kanan and Hera are like, yes, Fulcrum does do things that Fulcrum will be thinking about and i'm going out of my way to word sentences to not use a pronoun here uh-huh yeah that's true and I, and again that's great because it's just one more reminder of yeah this is not they had this plan from the beginning it's not that they were like oh okay let's figure out who fulcrum is sure why isn't fulcrum why can't fulcrum be uh this character but no they they had this plan from the beginning which is just awesome Yeah, totally. What, uh, I mean, like, I could be what, wrong about the m- vocal modulation thing, but we've mm-hmm. had a delay on our call, on our Skype call, Matthew. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, no problem. I'll just um, edit out those little things. Uh, so what up for you all? Any other uh, spoiler things to go into? 
Oh, yeah, well, I, the the academy, the cadets are definitely gonna appear again in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, oh yeah, giant. Um... They're gonna they're gonna go and rescue the sister. That's that's point. right. And then uh, Jai actually joins one of the other rebel cells later on. Mm-hmm. That's run by I think like the former governor. Is he force sensitive? I think so. Okay. But I, yeah, I forget as well. But yeah, so like these these characters will come back too. Yeah, yeah, they're just they're just planting these little seeds that are going to become parts of the the whole show universe, which I think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there are many spoilers from the first episode we talked about, episode six, that I mm-hmm. really want to talk yeah. about. I think Fulcrum's just like the big big thing, right? Right. Yeah, and Fulcrum will now become more of a thing, and of course, obviously, we, it eventually becomes Ahsoka, and then becomes uh, somebody else, also fairly important. Are we, are we not, into too big of a spoiler no, for the spoiler section? No, no, people know that it's Callus. It's Callus we're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm like ninety five percent sure it's Ahsoka here. Ninety. I'm bumping that up. I'm ninety nine percent sure it's Ahsoka here. I'm yeah. not looking it up. I could very easily, but yeah. Yeah. For um, some reason, I thought it was Yularen or like some other admiral, but uh, I think you're probably right. It has been Ahsoka this whole time. Yeah. Well, especially like I the the, the not using masculine pronouns like Sabine yeah. did. Sabine called Fulcrum a he a bunch of times, mm-hmm. um, but Hera. And Callus just avoided pronouns altogether and never, like, confirmed. Like, there's one point where Sabine's like, who is this mystery man? And then yeah. uh, Hera's like, Fulcrum is very secretive. <laughs> like, just a yeah. not... Mm-hmm. Yeah, answering questions right. with questions. And, I mean, I... Also, the... Yeah, yeah, Sabine being like, I don't like questions. I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hera answering her questions with questions was... yeah. I think it's very true. Yeah, that's good, but yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of great stuff for us to look forward to. So, um, and next next time we're going to go into a really fun arc with Empire Day uh, mm-hmm. where we get just a really fun kind of uh, – st- you know, I, I was watching that episode again. At first we were thinking we would do three episodes today like we did last week. But I was watching Empire Day and I was like, oh, there's so much here. No, this needs to be its own episode. And then they got to the end of Empire Day and said to be continued. I was like, yep, okay, that, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. I mean, if uh, you'd met, you'd solicited feedback earlier, um, mm-hmm. and I know this is only people who are listening for for spoilers. But if yeah, you've got feedback on episode lengths and how many, like yeah, be cool to hear. But like I think like you said, just covering arcs at a time is nice, and then a couple one offs if we have just a, a smashing of one offs be good. Yeah, I think so. Cool, cool. All right, well, thank you both as always. This has been so much fun, and we will uh, talk to y'all soon. Have a great day. Blah, 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 blah.